0: Okay, so we're talking about the, the miracle of Israel and the coming millennium. Now, they're two quite separate events, but are they? So we're going to examine these two events. One, the absolute miracle, which is what it is, of the return of the, of the Jews to their homeland after 18 years of being scattered around the world, 1,800 years, 1,900 years, of being scattered around the world, actually coming back into their land. And two, we're going to talk about, and that's happening now, but two, we're going to talk about a future event, which is going to happen, I think, quite soon. And it's called the millennium. When Jesus Christ himself returns to reign on earth for a thousand years. Hands up everyone who thought you're going to go up to heaven and stay in heaven. Put your hand up. Well, if you passed away today, that's where you would go. But if we are here when Christ comes for us, we're going to remain on earth for a thousand years because he's going to reign from earth and where is he going to reign from do you think he will reign from the White House in Washington everyone say no what about um, the United Nations in New York is he going to reign from there no (laughs) they all shouted (laughs) what about the the Vatican and Rome do you think he might reign from there no. <laughs> Buckingham Palace in London. No. no. <laughs> Rewai, Roo- the Cumra capital. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he reigns in our hearts in Rewai, but he, w- he won't be ruling the world from here. <laughs> from, the, from Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. Yes. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. Now, in part one of this series, and I'm doing a series on the end times, my message was about the coming convergence, where Jesus warned in Matthew 24 of a series of events which were to come upon the earth in the last days, like wars, earthquakes, famines, persecution, deception, false prophets, and rampant sin. He said that that was going to happen in the last days, Before his return. In Matthew 24, 32, 34, it says this Jesus said this Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, which we've just described happening at the same time, You can know his return is very near, right at the door. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, this generation, what generation? The generation that sees the fig leaf budding. What's the fig leaf? What's the fig tree? Israel. When you see Israel budding, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Now, you you might remember from last time that I said that many scholars believe that when Israel became a nation, once again in 1948, that this was an amazing prophetic sign that we may very well be that last generation who will see what Jesus prophesied to come to pass. Now, what he prophesied, what Jesus prophesied was to come to pass is pretty horrendous things up ahead. In addition, there are marvelous things that that are going to happen as well. I believe that the Lord put it on my heart to re-emphasize the importance of what he has done in drawing the Jews back to his land, I don't know if you've read the book Exodus, where the uh, the Jews were put on boats after the after the Second World War and managed to escape out of out of out of Germany and head towards Israel. And that they were even the English tried to stop that boat from getting there, but it couldn't. I don't know if you know the history because I'm not going to go into it. But since the Jews were scattered abroad in AD 70, now that's only 40 years after Christ was resurrected and went went to heaven, the Jews were kicked out of Israel. Rome and the Arab nations completely scattered them and they went to every country in the world. They went to Spain, They were kicked out of Spain. They went to Britain, and they were kicked out of Britain. Every country in the world, many of them ended up in Russia. But about last century, they started coming back, not knowing why. Can you imagine if Kiwis were suddenly kicked out of New Zealand? Do you think... 2,000 years later, we'd even remember that we were Kiwis, all those generations, because it's not us, it's the generations, generations and generations and generations. But God kept the Jewish people with their heritage. Now, while I was thinking about what resources I would look up to um, study this a bit further and and get my thinking in line, I looked up a uh, website which I encourage you to look at. It's called WND. It's been going for 20 years It's the biggest independent online news website in the world and it's Christian. And on that website, I saw an ad for a new book that um, the founder um, has written and his name is Joseph Farrar. He's an Arab American. His parents were Syrian and Lebanese and he runs the biggest Christian news website in the world. And I saw an ad that for a book that he had written called The Restitution of All Things. The Restitution of All Things, but it was the subtitle that caught my attention. It said Israel, Christians and the end of the age. I thought, thank you Lord. I'm on track. Because it just came onto my screen. So I downloaded it from... uh, Amazon Kindle, and I glanced at the contents page, hoping to find some nice, clear guidelines for what I'm going to talk about. But I didn't see anything until I got through to chapter 8, and there was this interesting heading. And the heading was, what is the greatest miracle in history? So I started to read that and found out that this Arab-American... Believes that the greatest miracle in the history of the world since the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is the return of the Jews to Jerusalem. And he quoted Jeremiah 16:14 to 16. But the time is coming, says the Lord, when people who are taking an oath will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt, back in Moses' day, the saying used to be, how wonderful is our God who brought the people back from from Egypt. Instead, they will say, as they are saying now, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north, and from all the countries to which he had exiled them, for I will bring them back to this land that I gave their ancestors. So that you realize that several hundred years before Christ, the prophets were saying God was going to bring the Jewish people back to their land after they had been scattered and it hadn't even happened yet. And all of the prophets talk about this. Now, Joseph Farrar also referred to an intriguing story that I'd read before about the famous author Mark Twain. Anyone read Mark Twain's books? There's one, two, okay. Very famous author. And in his book, The Innocents Abroad, he talks about how he visited the land of Israel in 1866. So that's just 100 years ago, folks, give or take. And he found it to be a desolate country whose soil is rich enough but given over wholly to weeds, a silent, mournful expanse, a desolation. We never saw a human being on the whole route. Now, I, none of, know, I know that many of you are affected by the news and you think poor old Palestinians and they're getting zapped and what have you. Do you realize that they weren't? there, were, there was never a nation of Palestine? That, that for hundreds of years the land of Israel has been just left fallow and Arabs and others wandered through it but they never settled there, they, they never tilled the land, they never made anything happen with it. It remained right up until recently fallow land. We never saw a human being, this is 100 years ago, Mark Twain going through the land of Israel on the whole route, hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere even the olive tree and the cactus whose last who are friends of a worthless soil had almost deserted the country no landscape exists that that looks as mournful or dreary and lifeless mark twain said you know he had come to the holy land israel and judah 1800 years after His chosen people were for the most part cast into exile because of their disobedience and rebellion. Not because they rejected the Messiah, that was one of the things that happened, but in previous years, they had rejected God the Father. In Deuteronomy 29, 22 to 26, This is interesting. Then the generations to come, both your own descendants and the foreigners who come from the distant lands, Mark Twain, he's a foreigner, will see the devastation of the land and the diseases the Lord inflicts on it, and they will explain, exclaim, the whole land is devastated by sulfur and salt. It is a wasteland with nothing planted and nothing growing, not even a blade of grass. And all the surrounding nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why was he so angry? In verse 7, and the answer will be, this happened because the people of the land abandoned the covenant that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Instead, they turned away to serve and worship gods they had not known before, gods that were not known from the Lord. Gods, gods that were not from the Lord. You know, Pharaoh went on to say in this book that I was reading, Israel is no longer that barren wasteland depicted by Mark Twain. It's almost become a cliche to say the reborn nation, 1948, first time in one day a nation was created. United Nations, God, bless them, actually passed something positive for a change, and Israel was formed. And the cliche is that the reborn nation has made the deserts bloom just as prophesied in Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Likewise, the, that land that had trouble growing even weeds in Twain's time a hundred years ago is now fulfilling another prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah 27:6. 6. The time is coming when Jacob's descendants will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the whole earth with fruit. And it's true. Israel is the most Stunning land now of vineyards and fields and orchards. And it's exporting fruit, vegetables and flowers to the entire world today. Just this week, here's the Lord opening up the path for me to speak. Just this week I received an article on, in an email to go into the Christian Life News magazine next month from Stefan Silver in Haifa, Israel. He's the son of an evangelist, David Silver. Anyone know David, David Silver? He's a great man of God, and his beautiful wife, Josie, she's in, she runs a worldwide intercession group out of Israel. And he's my friend. And his son wrote to me and said, would you be interested in publishing this article in your magazine? Stefan serves as the Director of Business Development and Operations at Wise Money Israel, WMI, the first investment management firm in Israel staffed by Messianic Jewish professionals. That's Jews who love Jesus, have formed this investment company. And he, in the article, and there's the title Miracle Nation by Stefan Silver. The modern state of Israel is a young country born merely 69 years ago. Next year, Israel, the new Israel, will be 70 years old. And they say a generation is between 70 and 80 years. That's an interesting thought. It is a small nation, listen to this, with approximately eight million people. So Israel has only double the population of New Zealand and it's in an area that is only one-thirteenth the size of New Zealand. Israel is only one-thirteenth the size of Israel. Uh, Israel is only one-thirteenth the size of New Zealand and it is a hundred times more prosperous than New Zealand. And it's been plagued with conflict, war and terrorism, even prior to becoming a state, and certainly since then, the Six-Day War and other wars with the Arab nations around them tried to wipe them out. It is therefore surprising that Israel has developed to become one of the leading and most innovative countries in the world and feel such and fields as diverse as high-tech, bio, medical, agrotech, renewable energies, defense systems, and many more. Many of the new medical techniques that doctors are now using around the world, the flash drive for your computer, the, the, the programs that um, keep spyware out of your computers, are all designed in Israel. Stefan goes on to say, How then has the nation of Israel achieved such astounding breakthroughs and achievements despite its small size and much opposition? The answer is simple. This is God's doing. There is no other way to explain how a people that was dispersed among the nations for 2,000 years were regathered back to the land given to them by God thousands of years ago. And as I was saying, God foretold all of these events through the prophets of Israel thousands of years ago. The prophet Ezekiel said, Ezekiel 36, 26 and 29, "'For I gather you up from all the nations "'and bring you home again to your land, "'and you will live in Israel, "'the land I gave your ancestors a long time ago. "'You will be my people and I will be your God. "'I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior.'" I will give you good crops of grain and I will send no more famines in the land. In Zechariah chapter one, verse 17, it says, say this also, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, that's what God calls himself, the Lord of heaven's armies. The towns of Israel will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem as his own. Jeremiah 33, 7 to 9, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. And they're still rebelling in Israel. It hasn't happened yet. They are still a secular nation. They still have a high homosexual rate and, and gay parades. God still is going to deal with Israel. But his promises are being fulfilled. He's bringing the Jews back to their land, just as he said he would. Then this city, that's Jerusalem, will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. So I agree with Joseph Farrar that the restoration of Israel is is possibly the greatest miracle in history. But now, what of the future? We've seen what God has done, and you realize that if God's promises have been fulfilled to the nation of Israel, how much more so will his promises be fulfilled for us, the Gentiles? See, because God is not a liar. God cannot lie. So if he says, this is what I will do for you, Israel, and he does it, then when he says, this is what I will do for you, he will do it. So what happens to Israel in the end times? Uh, But more important to me, what happens to us in real way in the end times? You know, in my last message, I spoke about the coming convergence, where tumultuous times are coming, which likely will lead into what the Bible describes as the great tribulation. And if you missed that, you can stream it or download the podcast on our, Jan and I, our new website called wildsideministries.com. You can pick it up from a CD at the end of, of the meeting. But I will expand on this further, that is the tribulation and things like that, When when I try and summarise my somewhat limited understanding of the scriptures, the sequence of events as portrayed in Daniel and Revelation. And you get 20 people studying Revelation and speaking on Revelation and you'll get 20 different interpretations. It's not easy. So I'm just going to simply go through and see what I can understand and I'll share that with you. But I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to jump right over that. Right over the tumultuous times are, are coming upon us the world shortly and the tribulation period I'm going to jump right over that to the other side Now I'm going to tell you about a glorious event that happens immediately after those days Jesus said himself in Matthew 24 29 to 31 immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. We may, know not, we may not know the day nor the hour that Christ returns, but we can jolly well suspect that it's happening because the world is going to go dark and the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then. All the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together. What do you think that means? Gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Would that be when we're caught up to be with Jesus as he's coming down to reign? That's one view. My father, brethren, teaching, was that we would be raptured before the tumultuous things happens. It's called the pre-trib. Barry Smith, wonderful evangelist, marvelous man of God, He believed that the rapture is in the middle of the tribulation. It's called mid-trib. David Pawson, Bill Sabritsky, others think that no, the church goes through the tribulation. And we get caught up at the end to be with Jesus as he comes down to reign. I tend to favor that because I can't see in the Bible that there are three comings of Jesus. I can only see two. But that's just my understanding. And you need to find, it, find your own. But it doesn't matter if you disagree with me. Because I'm not going fall to out, fall out of fellowship with you if you think the Lord's coming there or he's coming there or he's coming there. Because our fellowship is based on, the, on our love for Jesus Christ. And if you're right, pre-tribbers, that's cool because I'll be with you <laughs> if you're right mid-tribs. Oh, that's cool, I'll still be with you. And if you're wrong, well then you can all come with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's look, 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 look at Acts 3, 18 to 22. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. This is after Jesus has gone to heaven. This is what Paul is saying. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began." Now, looking in the old King James Bible, which I don't too often, it says it a different way. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Philip's version, one of my favorite versions of the Bible, says, Then he will send you Jesus, your long-heralded Christ, although for the time he must remain in heaven until that universal restoration of which God spoke in ancient times through his holy prophets. So what does this mean? What is this restoration that's coming? What is the restitution of all things? Farah in his book, Pharaoh in his book in his last chapter, which I got to eventually, correctly says, it is when Jesus comes again to bring justice peace, and prosperity to the world as he rules as the king of kings from Israel. This reign, said Peter, is the fulfillment of that which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. In other words, this millennial kingdom, which is to come when Jesus reigns, is the world's destiny. Can you see that? It's the great hope for those who find salvation through the atonement of their sins in the sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah of Israel and the Son of God. One of the dominant themes in the, in, in the Gospels, and I haven't really touched on it, is the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus, like the prophets before him, spoke of God's reign on earth. And the kingdom of God can reign in us. Now, when we pray for the sick and the healed, that is the kingdom of God in action. But there is another aspect of the kingdom of God still to come. And that's when God himself physically reigns here on earth. Look at what Revelation 20, 4 says. And I thought this was up in heaven when I first read it, but it can't be. And I saw thrones and they sat on them. Who was those sitting on them? Is that not the apostles? And judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus. So that's some of the things that are going to happen during the tribulation period. Are we seeing a lot of beheadings in the world at the moment? Is not ISIS beheading hundreds and hundreds of Christians right now who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ for a 1,000 years? There's your millennium period, folk. 1,000 years. This month, my Bible plan as I was reading it um, absolutely amazed me because it took me through the minor prophets, you know, the last books of the Old Testament and Revelation at the same time. And I was just blown away that the minor prophets talk about when Christ comes to reign. Chapter after chapter after chapter is about he's going to restore Israel and he's going to reign and bless them. And I I challenge you to read them all in a row, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. I read them all this month and it was fantastic. And especially note where it refers to the day of the Lord. That's when the Lord returns to to, to demolish the armies that are besieging Israel in the future. I hope New Zealand is not up there with the Anzacs to judge the nations And reign from Jerusalem with his saints. Oh, what a glorious day. Look what Zechariah 14 says. The Lord, uh, talking about how the Lord will rule the earth. Watch for the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. He's talking to Israel. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. So God's going to do that. All the nations soon are going to come against Jerusalem then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. Verse 4, and, and we're reading from Zechariah chapter 14. Go home and read it after lunch, to see if what I'm telling you is true. Verse 21, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move towards the north and half towards the south. Then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones come with him. Could we be amongst those holy ones? Have we just previously been caught up to be with him and are coming down to rain? Kind of that's how I read it. Next verse, on that day, the sources of light will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. No sun, no moon. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. Where do they go? Maybe He puts a tablecloth over them. There'll be no normal day and night, for at evening time it will still be light. On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half towards the Dead Sea and half towards the Mediterranean flowing continuously in both summer and winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped, and Jerusalem will be filled, safe at last, never again to be cursed and destroyed, and the Lord will send a plague on all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Woe to you countries that go against Jerusalem. In the end, the enemies of Jerusalem who survive the plague will go up to Jerusalem each year to worship the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, and to celebrate the festival of shelters. But you know, in reading the old prophets, the most detailed scriptures about this period that I'm talking about comes from the major prophet, Isaiah. In Isaiah 56, it says this. talks about God's blessing for all nations. This is what the Lord says. Be just and fair to all. Do what is right and good, for I am coming soon to rescue you and to display my righteousness among you. Blessed are those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing harm. Who keeps the Sabbath? Who sets aside one day a week to really spend time before the Lord? It's interesting that the scripture talks about it again here. And I will also bless the foreigners, that's us, who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest. And who hold fast to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is this one in Malachi 4 5 to 6. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. The great day that the Lord arrives. This is what happens after the tribulation period. Christ comes back to earth. That's what's referred to as the great day of the Lord. And he comes bringing judgment to those nations that are attacking Israel. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, Jesus referred to John the Baptist as representing the spirit of Elijah in his day. But in Revelation, it talks of two prophets standing up against the Antichrist. So one of them may represent the spirit of Elijah as well. However, right now, I believe that the spirit of Elijah, which is the Holy Spirit of God, the spirit of Elijah is calling fathers to woo their children back to the Lord. Do your children love and follow the Lord? If they do, you are so blessed. Will they be caught up to be with the Lord on that great day when He catches us up to be with Him and to reign with Him? Have any of you got children, far now that are away from the Lord? Doesn't this promise that God gives us, make us want to get on our knees and ask the Lord for their salvation, for their restoration, <coughs> for their de- deliverance from the molestation of the enemy? This afternoon, Jan and I are going to a Tangi at Fakapara, Pari, Marai, in the north, to pay our respects to a beautiful couple in ministry, whose twenty-eight-year-old son passed away, <coughs> who I knew as a ten-year-old. You know, losing our children before we die is a pretty sad thing. It is so important that we reach out to our children. I want us all to stand and, and say another scripture which is really important. And let's just all stand and, and, and say this. And we're saying this for our families. I'll paraphrase this. Because to use the words I. Let's say this out loud. I believe on on the Lord Jesus Christ and I will be saved. Me and my household. Let's say it again. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I will be saved. Me and my household. I believe that for all my children. And you can believe that for all your far now, for your family. And I just want to invite anyone that would like prayer for their family members that don't know the Lord to come out the front now. Be brave and be stand. If Jesus Christ sacrificed his son for us, surely he requires us to sacrifice our lives for our children. If you want to come forward, I'm happy to pray for you, for your children and your family to be saved, restored and delivered from the molestation of the enemy. Come forward. Bless you. Thank you.